We've got Brother Ben here tonight, and uh, Fairview Campus, y'all got to see Brother Ben on Sunday morning, and um, we're going to ask him a few questions tonight and go through a little Q&A, but first, uh, let's take a moment and let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you, God, for this moment tonight, Lord, where we can learn a little bit more about missions, Lord, and about this incredible missionary, God, who you are using, Lord, uh, to impact the world and the unreached world, God, for, for the gospel and for the kingdom, Lord. And we love you, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so tonight's a little different. We are going to do a little bit of a Q&A uh, to let you guys get to know Brother Ben Bounds, okay? Brother Ben Bounds is our missionary to the 1040 window um, uh, uh, with the organization that he founded um, uh, called FIP, okay? And I'm going to let him explain a little bit more about what that is, all right? Um, and I, I, we just thought this was a good way to let our congregation get to know you just a little bit more. So my first question is tell me a little bit about yourself and your ministry. All right. My name is Ben Bounds, of course. My wife Linda's right over here. Okay. We are newlyweds. We got married just 55 years ago, and it's going strong. Uh, we met in Bible college, and we're married August 30th, 1968. We've spent our first three and a half years in local church ministry, uh, feeling, wearing lots of hats from youth director, music director, Christian school teacher, music teacher, Bible teacher, uh, athletic director, soccer coach, uh, track and field coach, won three state championships in that. So, uh, and then, uh, uh, let's see, since 2001, we've been doing foreign missions work. We got our first five and a half years training working in six countries in Southeast Africa. But the whole time, God kept pulling us up in what's known as the 1040 window. It gets its name from the 10th parallel north of the equator, goes right through the middle of Africa, and goes up to the 20th, uh, 40th, 40th degree above the equator, right under Russia, from the western horn of Africa across to the Sea of Japan. 69 countries in there when you divide Sudan from north and south. And uh, all but three of these countries do not allow missionaries in on long-term missionary visas. So what we do is go in and do ongoing training, Bible inspiration for preaching, and uh, to help them with their ministry. But most importantly, we raise monthly support for them so they can be freed up from spending almost 100% of their time just feeding their families with their third world economies, frees them up to go out and evangelize neighboring villages. Uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's in a nutshell who we are and what we do. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's give God praise for all that. That's amazing. Mm. How God's moving God across glory. the 1040 Amen. window. Um, so I got to spend a uh, about, how long were we there? About 10 days? Yes. Uh, in a country there in the 1040 window. Um, and uh, I, got to, I got to see firsthand the churches that are supported by FIP and... Um, just how incredible they are. And some of these guys, we got to hear their stories. And uh, one man I, per- I remember particularly, you may remember his name, I don't, I can't even pronounce his name. Um, but uh, he was telling us our story, or his story, and how he got saved. He got saved by listening to the radio. Yeah. Somebody was preaching on the radio from another country. It was probably probably in the 90s at that point. Right, beaming um, the gospel into communist Vietnam. Just beaming it in there. And... Um, uh, so he, 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 he received the gospel and answered, um, answered the gospel and, and got saved over a radio station just listening to the gospel. And that man has now reached thousands of people yes. since the yes. day he got saved. Amen. And so whoever was preaching on, on the radio probably has no clue, probably yeah. won't know until 
uh, the day that we all see glory, okay? And so it's, it's incredible. That's incredible um, what these men are doing. So um, I was going to ask you, why is the 1040 window so important? I want you to explain the 1040 window. You just did a little bit. Right. But um, tell, us, tell us a little bit why the 1040 window is important. It's so important because it is, as I mentioned before, uh, closed to outside missionaries coming in on long-term missionary visas, except for those three countries, okay, Thailand, Cambodia, and Albania. But Cambodia is closing its fist. Uh, they are becoming more communist, even after that failed with Pol Pot regime, 75 to 78, Khmer uh, Rouge. So there's 5.3 billion people in that not just the 1040 window, but they now call it the revised 1040 window because they've taken in another 12 countries that are just peripheral, just right on the edge of it. You know, for instance, to the north, you've got Kazakhstan. To the south, you've got uh, Malaysia and, and Indonesia. Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world population-wise. So God has commissioned us, and this is my driving verse, okay, in Mark 16, 15, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's an estimated three point. Two billion of those people are still waiting to hear their first gospel message. So, since we can't go in personally on long term, we do something much more effectively, and that's mobilize the national so they can take the gospel to their people. That's so important. That's so important that that's done. Um, so, it's it's no it's no secret that that you work with church planters. Tell us why that's important. Tell us why you have such a passion for church planting. We have such a compassion for church planters uh, uh, above them just being pastors because there are just so many more, as I mentioned, other people that have yet to be reached with the group. Uh, we were looking online at the Joshua Project this afternoon, and there's some, uh, wow, over 7,000 different ethno-linguistic people groups. Big 39-cent word I learned since being a missionary. Okay. Uh, and, but within those, there's over 3,000 of those ethnic travel groups that are unengaged with the gospel, not been reached out to at all. So we support these men never to pastor just one church. If that's all they want to do, we pass them by. But we support them so that they will be forever reaching out to neighboring villages with the gospel, uh, winning people to Christ, discipling the new believers, training Timothy's to become the pastors of those new churches that they plant. And the nationals are just so much more effective than you and I, Micah, could ever be because they, they look the same. Uh, they, know the, they know the culture. They know the customs. Most importantly, they know the heart language. Missionaries tell us that rarely ever does a person get saved until he's heard the gospel in his mother tongue, his heart language. They may speak a second language, but that only reaches the head. The mother tongue reaches the heart. That's why they call it the heart language. So these people are ready to preach the gospel, not only in their own tribal language, but several other tribal languages. i got one man that speaks seven languages. Isn't that great? So he's ready now. He didn't have to go to language school. He grew up in language school. He's ready now to take the gospel to that many tribal groups around him. Absolutely. Praise God. Praise God. Um, so tell us about the caliber of men that you support. Tell us, tell us about their training. Okay. Uh, tell us about their education. Um, uh, a, a little bit about uh, how you train them and okay. how, you, how they get to where they are. 
as right. a church planner. We require that these men have at least a year and a half of Bible training already. And these short courses are available in these uh, 1040 window countries, all right, because there's always someone that, that's gone ahead. Were it not for William Carey going to India or Adonai Judson going to Myanmar, Burma, I wouldn't have internationals to support. Okay, so um, that's the minimum requirement, and they must be currently involved in ministry, not going to be, but must have a minimum of a one-year experience, and, uh, with, and also having that 18 months of Bible training. Most of our guys, though, have several years of ministry training. About half of them have already reached a four-year Bible degree, even, and quite a few of those have had masters and even doctors of divinities. So they're forever trying to continue to study to show themselves approved unto God, a workman that needs it not to be ashamed. Now, most of these men have been led to Christ by the national director we have in each country, who is one of them. He has to know each person personally, has to know their, uh, their character, their, their honesty, their integrity, uh, their, their doctrinal position. They got to be Baptist with a capital B, okay? And uh, he must know the, the strength of their family life. So he must first approve these and then present them to us. We look at the application. They have a five-page application that's filled out. They have to sign, agree in 100% to our 17-point Baptist Doctrine of Faith. So we believe in keeping the Church of Jesus Christ doctrinally sound. So we go in and we teach ongoing uh, Bible training to make sure they're staying on the straight and narrow with, with the doctrines of the Bible. You see, the cults are there also. And the cults deny the deity of Jesus Christ. That's the biggest fault they have. And of course, there's a tendency to, to incorporate some of their uh, tribal or uh, other religious beliefs, okay, that they came saved out of. There's a, there's a temptation to mix some of that with their doctrine. So we have to, we have to guard against that and keep the church doctrinally uh, pure so we keep the ongoing training going for that purpose. So, uh, why don't you tell us some of the challenges that these men face? Um, I know that there's conflict in Myanmar. Um, can, can, you, can you kind of explain some of that within reason? Yeah. Um, now, we know we're live streaming. I know that you can't explain every little detail, you know. Um, uh, but is there anything there that you can explain? What's, what's, their, what's the biggest challenge that they face? Okay. Cambodia is probably the least challenge right now, other than the fact that communism is growing in Cambodia. Okay. Uh, India, uh, wow, they hate Christians. The Hindu hate Christians. Uh, and and their, their, their new prime minister they have, they've had for the last four or five years is a very strong Hindu. Uh, they've even just last year passed a non-conversion law, making it illegal for anyone to convert out of the religion that they were born into. That's particularly to protect the Hindu or to keep the Hindu to convert into Christianity or con to convert into Islam, which would be the second strongest group there. Uh, and there's severe penalties for that, okay? Uh, wow, just last month, they burned over 300 uh, evangelical churches, killed over 100 of the people, mostly the leaders. And uh, wow, I, I, I picked up about four or five videos just today that Brother Sadira, national director, sent to him from India of the horrible things that they're doing to God's people in India. So that's a big challenge there. In Myanmar, uh, first COVID broke out, and we know in, in 20, March of 2020, and uh, they couldn't go to work. They, everything was locked down. That, that created a tremendous food crisis. And then February the 1st, 2021, there was the military coup. Now it's been in civil war ever since. Uh, they're afraid to go to work. They're afraid to get out. 
Even our men had to be very cautious going out to the neighboring villages for fear they'd be mistaken or accused by the, by the military. They call them the Junta or the Tatmada. They're afraid of being uh, accused of being part of the PDF, the People's Defense Force that is fighting against the military, okay? Uh, they could be accused of that and executed on the spot. No two are allowed to ride on a motorbike at the same time. If they do, they can be shot off. They don't want them grouping together to form any kind of an alliance against the military. So those are tremendous challenges. The food crisis is terrible. And um, in Vietnam, the biggest challenge there is that the police is constantly harassing our men everywhere they go with their evangelism. They have informants, even in all the mountain villages. If anything out of the ordinary takes place, that informant will call the police. The police will give them a little something for anything out of the ordinary that they report. And what's more out of the ordinary than one of their own coming on door to door sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. The police are there sometimes within minutes. They'll find them, escort them out of the village, threaten them, sometimes find them, sometimes jail them, sometimes beat them because they're there as a preacher of the gospel. And even, even while we were there, <clears throat> there were some churches we didn't get to visit because the yes. police were out and they were looking, they were looking for, for, for the pastors. And, and they didn't even allow us, uh, us to call the congregation in to meet with us for fear of word getting out. So we just had to meet with the extended family of each missionary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about what your biggest challenge as a ministry, as a, as a, uh, a missionary personally that you face? The biggest challenge I face is, is scheduling churches to go in and share the ministry. We've been on deputation for 22 years now. Now, why is it difficult for us to get into churches? Because most of our Baptist churches give our American missionaries higher priority. They're wanting to help our American missionaries get to the field. And I can understand that. So uh, scheduling the, the churches is, uh, is difficult, but God keeps opening doors. Even during COVID, God opened doors for us, and we grew even during COVID. Wow. Wow. So uh, with just a few minutes left, what is uh, FIP's biggest need? Why don't you tell us about it? Faith International Partner. Yes. What is FIP's biggest need currently? The biggest need currently. All right. The, forever, the, the biggest need will be the faithful, regular support of our national church planners like Temple Baptist has been doing for some 16, 17, maybe 18 years. Okay. So pray that all of our sponsors, individuals and churches, stay faithful for that. When you read all of Jesus' uh, great commission rendering from the four Gospels of the book of Acts, it's all about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice this. When you read them, there's not one word said about benevolence in Jesus' great commissions. We keep the main thing the main thing. Now, when there's problems like the food crisis, yes. In the last two months, we've raised about $25,000 to help with food crisis. And but we tell our preachers this, you take care of your church people with their needs first and keep them and keep with James, uh, Galatians rather, 6.10. As much as within you is, do good unto all men, especially unto those of the household of faith, the church people. If you have money beyond that, then if there's, there's animists or Buddhists that haven't, uh, they've been open to the gospel, they didn't curse you out, they didn't stone you, they didn't sick the dogs on you they've been open to the gospel, then you share some of that benevolence with them too. But they're trained to share the gospel in every house in which they give uh, the food, even in church members' houses, because not every family member has been born again yet. Amen? Okay. And so they do the same, of course, with the, with the Buddhists and the animists, and it causes many of them to turn to Christ. Absolutely. So um, 
I just want to take a moment. Let's just praise God for all that he's doing in the 1040 window through Brother Ben. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. So if you get a moment um, at, the end of, uh, at the end of the night, uh, have a conversation with Brother Ben out here. Take a second. Walk out slowly. Uh, talk to him and, and get to know his ministry a little bit better. I'm going to have Brother Jason come up and, uh, oh, Brother Tim come up and he's going to uh, uh, share the word uh, for about 20 minutes and then Brother Jason's going to come up and also uh, tag team right after that, okay? All right, so. I'm just saying, yeah. I'm telling you, that is one of my favorite missionaries ever. Right after I got saved, right here, 2008. I started, I think he was one of the first missionaries that I heard. One of the very first ones that started that ministry stir in my heart. Hearing how he's helping people. Hearing how he is absolutely outrunning 20-year-olds up and down the mountains of Vietnam. But the heart he has for people is amazing. We got to spend Sunday afternoon a little bit with him and his wife. And I'm telling you, if you get a chance, talk to them. They are a blessing. I mean, more than you'll ever, ever understand. But thank y'all. I really appreciate y'all. All right, I want us to turn in our Bibles. Turn in your Bibles to Romans 10. Romans 10, and we're looking at verse 13 and 14. Now, I'm just going to take a few minutes, and I want to talk about the opportunity. Just what Brother Ben talked about. The opportunity to go and share with people. What's the main thing? The main thing is Christ. The main thing is getting the gospel to people. Right? All right. As we read, here we go. Romans 10, 13 and 14. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Let's pray. Lord, just thank you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be right here. Lord, thank you for just being who you are for us, to us, Lord, and through us. And Father, I just pray that you you bless tonight. Lord, move me completely out of the way. Father, fill me with your spirit. Help me say the words that you want me to say. But move Tim completely out of the way, Lord. And Father, I just pray that you, you bless him. You have your hands on it. And Lord, help hearts and minds open up and just receive your word tonight. We love you, Lord. I love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, my name is Tim Barbie. I am the campus pastor for our Fairview campus. So every week when you hear Brother Malcolm talking about Welcome Fairview, that's our people over there. All right? So Welcome Fairview. I'm glad. I'm glad to be here, but I wish I was there. All right? Now look at this. This, this verse... Right? How will they hear without a preacher? That's quoted a lot of times when we talk about missions, right? It's a great verse. It's quoted a lot. But let me ask you something. And I mean, really, don't, don't kind of... Okay, you're in the house of God. Don't lie. I'm just saying. All right? What do you think when you hear the word missionary? First thing that comes to mind, they want my money. Right? First thing that comes to mind, well, they're just doing a humanitarian effort. All right, I want to look at this point one that I have right here. What the message is not. What the message is not. The thing that we usually think of when we heard 
or when we hear missionary, it's providing humanitarian aid, right? Food, clothing, water, shelter, whatever you want to put right there. Providing education services, right? Running schools, running colleges, providing medical and health care services, making sure people stay well. But y'all, what I really want to look at is what the message is. What it's not is all the humanitarian stuff. But what it is, is right here. But the missions, I want us to see what it's really about. What's the real true reason for sending people to the uttermost parts of the world? Even to our Samaria right here, to our Judea, to our Jerusalem, in Coleman. There's a lot more here than what people really understand. And I want us to think about it. Everything that has to happen before they, Brother Ben, hit the mission field. Y'all, there is so much behind-the-scenes stuff that we don't have any idea of how much prep time, of how much prep work, how many relationships that have to be formed before they get to go. That takes time to make a relationship with people, especially when they're on the other side of the world. What about presenting the gospel? That comes after creating a relationship, that opening. The person of peace is what we call them in DMD, finding those people, right? The next step, discipleship, teaching them what it is to live a Christian life, how to have Christ in the center of their life. When missionaries go, they're taking a message. Let's look at what that message is. That message is the same message that brought each and every one of us to Christ. It's that same message of there is hope in this world. There is salvation that can be had. It's a gift that didn't cost you a thing in the world, but cost Christ everything in the world. Is that you tonight? My question to you, as we sit here and think, is that you? Or have you carried this message yourself? Or is it something you're scared to talk about here? Not even where Brother Ben is, but I mean here. Think about it. This is the, the, the message that they share. I want us to see Romans 3. All are sinners. We're all sinners. Amen? Romans 3, 10, 10 through 12, as it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Does that sound like our culture now? Yeah. They are all going out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So all of humanity is sinful. They're condemned. No one can meet the righteousness standard that God has. That sinless standard that he has set. His expectations. We can't meet it. Right? So there's judgment. Romans 6.23. There's judgment of sin. For the wages of sin is death. That's what we've earned. Death. But praise God. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. That's right. Do you believe that tonight? That's my question. And I'm, do you believe it? The next one, Romans 5, salvation through Christ. Salvation, Romans 5, 8 through 10. But God committed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if we are enemies, for if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 
We see that salvation gives us the change. We are more, more now than enemies of God. We are friends. We are children of God. Right? Romans 6, 6, 5 through 7. Sin's power is broken. Sin's power is broken. For if we had been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. The old self is crucified, right? We are no longer the same. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Romans 9, God's burden. There's a burden. And Paul puts it like this. In Romans 9, 1 and 2, I say that the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. I bet you if you ask Brother Ben, when he went to the mission field, there was a burden. There was a heart for broken people. Right? I know this is what happens because it's happened to me. I got saved right here in this church in 2008, fresh out of homelessness, out of Florida, right? And I'm, I'm telling you, every time after that I heard a missionary speak, I couldn't sit still. I couldn't. There was just a burden. There was a heaviness. But also with that heaviness, my heart was racing. I'm like, what is going on? I mean, I need to get out of here or something's going crazy. But I asked God to help reveal that to me. Help me with this burden, Lord. What is going on? And I talked to our missions pastor. Back then, this was, like I said, back 2008, late 2008. And I started looking into how we can start a ministry for homeless people here. That led to later on me researching, and God did something more than I could ever research on the Internet. More than I could ever research. He put a homeless missionary to the homeless right here at Temple Babs Church like a year later, right? And I'm telling you, that missionary family took us, me and my family, under their wing and showed us what it was to start a ministry. Because I didn't have a clue. I promise you, I had no idea what it took. I didn't know the requirements. I didn't know the time that it took to put into something like that. But Travis and his family have just taken us, and he's still a great friend of mine. A great mentor to me. Great mentor. But I'm telling you, God can do those things if we surrender. If we allow him to. He did something that I can never do on my own. But that burden came first. That burden was there way before Travis was. That burden was there way before I knew anything about what I was getting myself into. I promise you that. But God put that burden on my heart before he actually opened doors. Over the years, I've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to meet myself. The guy that I used to be. Happened last week. Met myself all over again. Trying to find a place to live. Trying to find a place to not live. Trying to find somewhere to survive. Because that's all I was doing back then. Was surviving. Doing whatever I could. To sleep wherever I could. To stay dry or try to stay out of the sun. Or whatever that looked like. And I'm telling you, every time I see myself in somebody else, God breaks my heart all over again. All over. Because I know what they're going through. And I know, 
I know if they would just surrender to the Lord and let him do what he does best, not us, because if we did it, well, that's proof. I didn't get saved until I was 35. That's, I tell you, right? We can't do it. It takes him and him alone. But let me ask you all tonight. Is God breaking your heart? Has God got a burden on you that you haven't surrendered to yet? Is there the next missionary? I believe Malcolm, Brother Malcolm said this the other day. Is there somebody in here that's the next missionary? Is there somebody in here that's the next preacher? Is there somebody in here that may be the next piano player? That may be the next drum player? That may be the next whatever God is calling you to do? Do it. Surrender to that. Amen? Surrender. He may be giving you a heart for people in foreign countries. He may be giving you a heart for orphans here or in foreign countries. He may be giving you the heart and the burden tonight for people in general. What are we doing with that? Every Christian, we ought to know when God's tugging on our heart that we need to follow it. Amen? Amen. I want to talk about what this is really about. What is it really about? Jesus died in our place on the cross. He died in our place on the cross. Jesus satisfied that atonement for sin. Right? Before that, they were doing coverings once a year with yearly sacrifices. Jesus said he was going to do, it away, do away with it, and he didn't have to worry with it no more. We don't have to worry with it no more. He was the atonement, the pay that God needed. So that we can be restored back to him. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe it? Romans 10. And this is what I want us to look at. Salvation is for everyone. It's not just for me. It's not just for you. It's not just for them. It's for the world. It's for everybody around the world. That is what missionaries are taking to the field. That is what missionaries are going to do that we can't do here. But God has called them to do something different with their life. Right? Romans 10, 13, 14. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I want you to raise your hand if you're a whosoever. Put your name right there. For whosoever. For Tim called upon the name of the Lord and was saved. Is that you tonight? Is that you? How can we send people? How can people hear? How will people know of Christ if we don't send them? If we don't help them? If we don't pray for them? How are they going to know that, okay, this is what God is calling me to do? Right? We're not all called to go. Probably everybody's saying right about now, it's like, yeah, okay, this is missions. That's what it's about. But for people to hear, y'all, we've got to send. And I don't know the statistics as well as Brother Malcolm does, but it's in decline. There's not as many going now as there used to be. And as a matter of fact, there are different countries sending missionaries to the U.S. to do the same thing. Think about that. Think about it. There are those that are called to go to the uttermost parts of the world to tell people about our Savior, the hope that is found in Christ. But I get it. I do. We can't just stop drop everything and take off, right? There's a lot of stuff wrapped up in that. We may not be called to do that, but there are those that God has called to places like here in the city streets, 
like places like the Philippines, to Vietnam, to Uganda, to places we've only heard about, right? Places that people, they don't have shoes. Places that people have clothes, but they have to wear the only clothes that they have because that's all they have. And that's weeks at a time, months at a time. Places that may have a toilet, but you have to take it a bucket of water to flush the toilet. How about places with a hole in the floor for a toilet? Places that are made out of hay and dung to make a house out of. They need peace. They need hope. And how are we going to get that to them if we don't send people to go and tell them? We have to send them. Now, we talk about sharing our faith here in Coleman. Oh, it's a hard time. It's hard to share your faith here in the U.S. Well, you're right. It's hard because people here are comfortable. We have air conditioning. We have lights. We have that hot shower, that running water, that flushing toilet, right? We have all of that stuff. But y'all, are we sharing our faith? Are we sharing our faith? I Just think about that. Think about it. But I want us to see whether it's to the uttermost or if it's right here in Coleman. They, being the lost, need to know about a Christ that can save about somebody that can give them hope no matter what hopelessness they're staring at. Somebody that can give them peace in a war-torn country. Somebody that can help them understand there's something way better than this world once we pass on. Are we sending people? Do we have the heart to send people to do that? My question tonight is just that. What's it all about? It's about just that. It's about sending them to tell the world about a saving Savior that we serve, that we love, that loves us back, that is real, that is true. Now, if you can't go tonight, if you can't go tomorrow, you can't go next week, that's okay. But what's God calling you to? Where's your heart? Is he saying, come, I've got something for you, and you're like, no, I don't want no part of that. Been there. It's not fun. Don't, don't do that. If he's calling you, just go, all right? We have a great opportunity right now. For all the missionaries, this is Mission Month. You're going to meet all kinds of different people that Temple supports. You're going to see where a lot of your mission dollars go to. But we can also do something more. What is that more? We can help them. I can help them by sending packages, sending letters, sending cards. And I promise you, as somebody who's been deployed quite a few times... Stuff coming from home and you're out of home territory, that's the world. It means the world. So send them some packages. A little bit of home goes a long way. Go on mission trips. Help them do the work. Help them paint. Help them spread the gospel. Go on mission trips. You can celebrate with them. When they bring their updates to the church, celebrate with the wins. And I'm telling you, the little wins can lead to the bigger wins. They can lead to the biggest win. But we have to celebrate each one of those wins. Amen? Amen. All right. And really, one of the most powerful things that you can do, the most powerful thing that you can do is pray. Pray. Pray for them specifically. Pray for their needs. Pray for their safety. Pray. Whatever hits your heart. If you just, you know what? I'm praying for Brother Ben today. Lord, you know what needs to be done. And rock on. But pray intercede for them 
is countless people right now getting persecuted. Not people saying, well, I don't nothing to do with your God. That's not persecution. You've heard Brother Malcolm say that many, many times. I'm talking about people having their house burnt down, being beheaded, being beaten, families ripped apart, put in prison. I can go on and on and on. There's things going on that out of our comfort zone, we don't understand. But we can help the ones that are going, support them, lift them up in prayer. I mean, if you can't send money, that's okay. Help pray for them. All right? Every Christian should have that understanding that what the mission field is really about is spreading the gospel. Don't get caught up in the humanitarian relief part of all of that. That is just a means to an end. What is that end? That is opening a heart so they will accept Christ. That's what that's for. It's not their job. That's just, that's just what they're using to help do. That's like giving a hungry person a sandwich. They're more than likely going to talk to you a little bit more. Okay? It's just opening a heart. Are you called to the mission field? Is God wanting you to go? Is he wanting you to, to do something for him? Or are you saying no? We need people in the uttermost. As much as we need them close to home. It's about the gospel. It's about mentoring. It's about discipleship. It's about growth. It's about teaching others to teach others to teach others to reach others. Right? So if we're not teaching, we're not sending, y'all, what are we doing? What are you doing? That's my message for tonight. My message is, what are we doing? Right? But it's also... What's it all about? Because we get caught up, and I've done it too. When you hear missionaries, oh, we got a missionary coming in. That's when I get excited because I get to hear about where they've been, what they're doing, how many people they brought to Christ. You know, I say it a lot of times at Fairview. We should be smelling like smoke, pulling people out of the depths of hell and sharing the gospel with them more than trying to stay clean, more than trying to stay, well, look at me. I'm, no, let's go to where they are. Let's help them understand that we have a saving God. Amen? All right. Now is Jason's time. So, Brother Jason Tankersley, I have had the opportunity to see this man's heart for lost people. We've traveled a lot this year together. And I have seen him absolutely just do his best sharing his story, telling people about the gospel, being broken about somebody in a broken situation. I've seen it, and I'm telling you, he's got a heart for people, a heart for people. And I'm, a lot of times, and I'm going to give him a little bit of a hard time, when you look at him, you're like, nah, not so much. But he does. He does. I love you to death, brother. All right, come on. Y'all give him a hand. Guys, let's give it up for uh, Brother Tim. I'm a little jealous he's at Fairview. And he's right. We do travel the country together a lot, and Tim... He, uh, he keeps me humble, and we challenge each other quite often. Uh, I love him. He does a great job sharing the gospel. I have uh, personally wit- uh, witnessed him sharing with a guy that was uh, struggling with drug addiction, and it's amazing the, the way he handled that guy. I just had to step back and just watch and learn. He does a great, great work. <clears throat> We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 while you're turning. Like he said, my name's Jason. I'm over guest services here at the church if you're, if you're new here. And as you're turning to Ephesians, let me just say we're going to be starting in verse 18 
And this is right after Paul. He just talks about spiritual warfare. And he, and he talks about how we should be putting on the whole armor of God. So we get to verse 18 and it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, and that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Father, I pray that you just continue to be in this place tonight. Father, I pray that you just fill me with your Spirit. Lord, we've already heard from Ben. We've already heard from Tim. God, we hear the great things that you're doing all across this country. I pray that you just continue to just open up hearts and minds tonight as we just finish up by giving you honor and glory. Amen. Amen. Let me just say that um, I didn't come in tonight to want to talk about prayer, and that's what we're going to talk about is how to pray for missionaries, how to pray for missionaries. And I didn't come in... Uh, originally going to talk about that. I was going to talk about just the great joy that we have when we support missionaries, when we get the opportunity to go and, and, and join people like Brother Ben on the mission field, and when, when we God blesses our finances so that we're able to, to bless them and support them. But man, I tell you, when, when Pastor talked Sunday and he shared about uh, in his TTI board meeting about the gentleman being beheaded, I just thought, man... The great persecution. We need to be praying for our missionaries. And I find here, I find my heart is is just stirred and encouraged by the words here that the Apostle Paul said. Uh, And I understand that the the Apostle Paul, he was this great um, uh, missionary. And this great missionary here, he's asking the Ephesians, he's saying, pray for me. That's what he's saying here in 18 and 19. He's saying, pray for me. I'm doing the work for the Lord. Pray for me. And it's a reminder to all of us how important it is that we should be praying for our missionaries. Dick Eastman says, In no other way can the believer become as fully involved with God's work, especially the work of world evangelism, as in intercessory prayer. Wesley DeWall says, We can reach our world if we will. The greatest lack today is not people or funds, The greatest need is prayer. Samuel uh, Zimmer says, The history of missions is the history of answered prayer. And then A.B. Simpson says, Prayer is the mighty engine that is to move the missionary work. And you know, I I shared that that Pastor Malcolm said Sunday, uh, the the news that he had got uh, some of our missionaries that we support with TTI, that they've been beheaded. Brother Ben has just shared some of the struggles that he's witnessed and he's seen and he shared with me in times past about uh, families that are being attacked and homes that are being destroyed and villages are being destroyed all because people are out there trying to share the gospel. We know that missionaries are being persecuted. It's not a secret. It's not a secret. We know it. And if the Apostle Paul is asking for prayer, how much more do our missionaries today need that prayer? So no matter what, what you feel about missions, no matter how you feel about it, because there's some of you in here today that you're just dreading missions month. Like, like Brother Tim said, you instantly think money. So no matter how you feel about it, whether you should go, whether you shouldn't go, whether we should go or whether we shouldn't go, whether we should give or whether we shouldn't give, no matter how you feel about it, there's one thing that we can all do, and that's pray. And Jesus expects us to pray. 
He expects us to pray. And all throughout the Gospels, we can see Jesus using phrases about prayer. He says, but when you pray. Or then he says, and when you pray. Or he says, when you pray, ask, seek, knock. He tells his disciples that they should always pray. Now, I've never personally served on the mission field, but I've spoke to several missionaries. Brother Ben is a, is a great, close, personal friend of mine. I can vouch for everything that he does. And I can tell you how important it is for, for us, for the church, that we need to be praying for our missionaries and their work. All the great work that we get to hear about and celebrate that's happening on the mission field, all this is happening because people are praying for those missionaries. There's many times that, you know, Brother Ben, he sent reports asking for very specific prayer needs, praying for families that are in need of of food just to survive. God provided. He's praying for pastors that need transportation so that they can go to other villages and spread the gospel. God provided. There's been medical needs that he's asked for prayers for and God's provided. I can remember not that long ago that just Brother Travis with the the tiny home village that he was still needing like 400 loads of dirt and he was asking for people to pray for a, a way that God could provide on that. And guess what? The trucks continue to roll in and dirt continues to get brought in. Listen, time and time again, God is doing great things on the behalf of our prayers. And you know, when I hear about when I hear about missionaries today that are having, you know, difficult times, that maybe their ministry is joyless, maybe they're suffering with some some conflict, some depression, maybe some financial problems, some family strife. I just I have to wonder. How's their prayer support? Now, that doesn't mean that that's exactly what's going on, but I have to just wonder, how's their prayer support? You know, I say that we need to rally together in prayer and just see what God can do. And the way that Paul wrote in this passage that that we're looking at, it's very clear that it's important that we pray for our missionaries. And if prayer was important for, for Paul as a missionary... It's got to be important for all of us. It's got to be important for the missionaries that we see represented, not only uh, here at, at Temple, you know, we've got our missions wall that's in the, in the foyer there. So not only the, the missionaries is represented here at Temple, but all the missionaries that are connected to the church. So let's just take a quick look at, at some of the things that the passage says, especially in verse 18, that tells us about prayer. Well, well first of all, it tells us, that we should pray at all times and with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So let's look at A. Praying always. We're going to break this up into two things. Praying always. Well, at the very beginning of the verse, he says, praying always. And always is simply, it just simply means all the time. Now look, I hope that that you have a specific day or a specific time in the day, a specific place that you go to, that you're able to pray without any kind of distractions, that you're just shutting the world off for the Lord. Maybe you go into your prayer closet. I mean, you just give God that, that really a special time without distractions. And that's great. We should do that. And you should do that every day. But in addition to that, 
We need to be praying all the time. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. So what does that mean? How can we do that? How can we pray without ceasing? We pray when we're driving. We pray when we're working. We pray when we're walking. We pray when we're running. We pray in everything that we do. We need to display our reliance upon God by our prayers. You know, Jesus is the most important striking example of this vital need for prayer. You can't help but notice how often he prayed over and over again. It's especially evident in the Gospel of Luke. Now remember, the whole context of of what we're talking about here in Ephesians chapter 6, the context is spiritual warfare. And we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a fight. And how do we fight that fight? We fight that through prayer. You have the armor of God on, and you need the whole armor of God. But we we fight that through prayer. That's where we do our real fighting is with prayer. So how often do do you pray? How often do you fight? Listen, you fight your enemy... As long as the fight is going. I mean, isn't that what what it means to be in a battle? Right? You fight till the last one is fighting. That's how we're victorious. We're the last ones that are fighting. So let me tell you this. So how often should we pray? We should pray always. How often should we pray uh, for our missionaries? We pray until the devil stops. How often should we pray? We pray until there's no more problems in this world. How often should we pray? We pray until the flesh that we live in is no longer a problem for us. So when we no longer have problems in the world, we no longer have problems in the flesh, and the devil, that's when we can stop praying. Until then, we need to pray all the time. So what else does it say? It says praying always in the Spirit. Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So what is, what is supplication? Supplication, is, it's a petition. It's, it's an earnest request. So praying and prayer makes up supplication. And that's how we go to God with our request. For prayers and supplication to be effective, it must be in the Spirit. Amen. Praying in the Spirit means He's clearing our minds. He's directing our thoughts. How many times have you, have you been in prayer and you fell asleep? Or you're praying and you start thinking about the bills that are due. Or you're praying and you start thinking about the, the yard needs mode. Right when we pray in the Spirit, He's clearing our minds. The Spirit is guiding us on what to pray for. It's asking and listening. We see in Romans 8.26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When we don't know what to pray for, he does. When you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for you. So don't worry about having these these eloquent prayers. Trust in the Spirit. There's so many of us that are hindered in our prayer lives. That's either privately or publicly. Because we're so worried about the way that we sound. 
And do you understand how beautiful, how beautiful it is when, when it is to God when somebody just speaks honestly before the Lord? I mean, you know how it is when you experience somebody that's new to Christ? And, and maybe their language hasn't been changed yet, just how beautiful that prayer is. There's just something refreshing about just an honest pouring out to the heart before God. And that's, that's what it looks like. That's what God looks for in prayer. It's not about eloquence, but it's about supplication in the Spirit. Also, you can have brief prayers. Now look, I hope that you have that extended time of prayer. Again, we talked about being in your prayer closet where you spend good quality time with the Lord. And I hope you have those extended times where you give Him all your day and all your life. But don't be afraid of brief prayers. Don't be afraid of what Paul mentioned uh, more than four times, and that's making mention in prayer. You know, oftentimes I'll pray for some people in greater depth, but then there are some times where I just make mention of them in prayer. And that's good and honorable before God. But there's another aspect that he points out in verse 18. He talked about praying all the time with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, but he also mentioned to pray with all perseverance. Pray with all perseverance. And this just means not giving up in prayer. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue in prayer, watching the same with thanksgiving. I'm reminded of Luke 18 when Jesus tells the, the parable of the unjust judge and the widow woman. You know, the judge, he, he was uh, not feared of God. He, he uh, neither... Neither man, she came and had a request that, that uh, he avenge her for her adversary. The judge, he wouldn't do it, and he thought on it, on it a while. And, and he finally came to the decision that he says, I'm still, I still don't fear God, I still don't fear man, but I'm going to do this for the, for the widow woman because she troubleth me. In other words, she didn't give up, she kept on. Listen, if a godless judge responds to constant pressure... How much more will a great and loving God respond to us? If Satan can get us discouraged in prayer, it doesn't matter how tough we look in that armor of God because he knows the person won't fight. The key to perseverance in prayer is simply to keep praying. The missionaries who count on us for our support, they want us to keep praying. Listen, I'll share with you one of the biggest fears that a missionary has and that's we, we get all pumped up and we get all excited about Missions Month and we constantly talk about it and we constantly talk about all these missionaries and everybody goes home and they pray today, but when this month ends, there's no more prayer. That's one of the biggest fears of a missionary is that we're going to forget about them when they're out there. Listen, that's why missionaries, they have prayer cards for you. That's why they send monthly and quarterly updates with prayer needs. That's why we provide missionary cards on this back wall. We've got a touch screen back there that keeps you up to date with, with all the missionaries are doing. Once a month, we have a prayer night dedicated just for the missionaries here at the church. We're doing whatever it takes to help you remember that, and to help you keep in the front of your minds to pray now that's perseverance. Now look what else verse 18 says. It mentions supplication again. It says pray with all supplication. 
And we already know that that's a petition. That's an earnest request. That you actually ask God for something specific. Now, not all prayer is asking God for something. But supplication is saying, God, I want to ask you to do this. I want to ask you to do something specific. And it's good for you to pray for our missionaries. But a lot of times, people just continuously wonder, what do I pray for? What what do they need? How should I be praying for my missionaries? I really don't understand what their needs are. But let me tell you, it's very easy to find out what their needs are. I'll tell you a few things. First of all, you can look at their website. You can look at their blogs. You can look at their Facebook. You can, you can send them an email. Listen, it ain't, it's not hard to get a prayer request from a missionary. You can either pray for them generally after patterns presented in the New Testament. These are things that Paul asked for. Ephesians 6.19 says, And for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Lord, Give them bold and effective words. Romans 15. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted for the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. Lord, make their service acceptable unto you. 2 Thessalonians 3, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that with my, I'm sorry, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have no faith. O oh Lord, set your word free in them and through them. Deliver them from wicked men. God, do your work. And all these things, we just take what the Apostle Paul prayed for himself, and we need to pray for the missionaries we have in that same way. Now, lastly, I want to look at this. He says, pray for all the saints. Pray for all the saints. And praying for the saints, that just means praying for all believers. We need to be praying for all believers in Christ. We need to pray for the Christians that you know in the, in the church and the church that, and the people that are around us. Now listen, I hope that, that every one of you have a more blessed prayer life today than you did yesterday. I hope that you have a more blessed prayer life tomorrow than you have today. And part of a more blessed prayer life is that you, you'll start praying more effectively for your own needs. And God wants you to pray for your needs. God wants you to cast your cares upon Him. Don't feel bad about praying for your needs. But listen... You should feel bad if you're only praying for your needs. Don't just pray for yourself. We need to pray for the saints. And sometimes we can, we can forget to do that in prayer. We get so self-focused. We get so concerned about our own battles, about our own problems, about our own difficulties, about our own fears, about our own hopes. And Paul says, no. He says, pray for the needs, but also make sure you pray for all the saints. And we are connected to the body of Christ. Listen, church, those people who especially need that connection and that prayer connection are our missionaries. 
if the mighty Apostle Paul, the great Apostle, the great preacher, the pastor, the evangelist, if he asked and he knew that he needed prayer, how much more do our missionaries need that prayer?